Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. Hello and welcome, Steelers Nation, to a rather emotional, yet somewhat beautiful episode of All Steelers Talk. We're your host, Noah Strackbine, joined every Tuesday and Thursday by my main man, Donnie Droon, repping the seven jersey. There was... Had to, bro. Had to. There... There was not a single other jersey in Heinz Field last night. Not, I mean, I I didn't expect there to be. What I didn't expect, to be honest with you, was the amount of signs that just said "Thank you, Ben." Thank you, Seven. That was um, it was awesome. You know, I think to sum it up in just one word, it was pretty incredible. Um, we didn't expect anything less. I don't think anybody did. I went out to watch Ben's like intro and. It was it was the first time. So like it's hard when you're up on the the like whatever it's called the the, the you know like mezzanine. Yeah, there it is, the mezzanine. Yeah. And uh, you, it's hard to like feel the impact because the vo- the the crowd noise goes down. It goes down to the field. You're up at the top. Even up at the top, my like phone was shaking. That's how loud it was when they said your quarterback. I couldn't even. I could. I couldn't even. Uh, like under, I couldn't hear anything after and your quarterback, the guy next to me was like ready to fight me because I like, guess I took his spot. Like when I was walking over, yeah, a bunch of media guys like went out and we were like, Oh, we're going to record this. We all have the same idea. Yeah. Apparently I stood in some dude's spot. He like came up with beers and nachos and he's like literally shoving me to the side. And then Ben gets introduced and everything. And like, this guy looks at me and he's just like, I'm so sorry, man. And I was just like, that was all because of Ben. You just turned hate into love because of Ben Roethlisberger. That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of what he did to the city of Pittsburgh last night. It was, uh, it was pretty awesome. But you know, t- to see Ben go, to see the tears afterwards, to see the final lap, to see his thank yous afterwards, and everything, it was a pretty incredible moment. You know, what was, uh, what were your thoughts watching the game from good old Arizona? You know, you are one of the many that watched from not in Pittsburgh. And I think that's another part of this of, of how awesome it was. Well, shoot, man. It feels like everybody following Twitter was at the game. I mean, like if, if it oh, really yeah. felt like everybody like made an effort to be there for his last game. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like my man, Freddie, I got a little bit of chuck up there. My wife did, you know, my wife only had become a Steelers fan whenever we first started dating six and a half years ago, coming up, coming up on seven. Um, so, you know, for just her, even in that short time frame to, you know, be that emotional, seeing him, seeing his family running to the field and seeing that those final moments of him walking down into the locker room, like with his family, like with all of their backs turned, I, th- I think that was probably when it really started to sink in. It's like, wow, like he, he he's not coming back here. No, I think that's the family thing got me. That's when I shed my first tear. I didn't. I didn't shed any tears. You know, I'd keep this professional, obviously. Right. But when he was doing his final lap, it, it was starting to hit me. When he sat on the bench, it it really hit me. How long was he out there? Because like the, the ESPN broadcast really like it. It like showed him in like like spare like pieces like kind of throughout his thing. Um, I never really got a grip as to like how late after the game was he actually out there. I'd say a little over five minutes, five, six minutes. He, oh, he okay. walked. So he walked towards the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, this was after like the crowd in the middle of the field. This doesn't include the crowd in the middle of the field. Um, he walked, I'd say even more probably than six minutes. Um, 
walked down like along the tunnel, touched every single person's hand, came back the other way, sat on the bench, got up, hugged Art Rooney before he sat on the bench, um, started walking, touched everybody's hands on the other side now, like towards the bench. Um, and then that's when his family came out. When his when his sons came out and gave him a hug and you could like see on the Jumbotron that he was crying, that was – I shouldn't do. I was like, oh, this is – this was emotional. It was the first time – I mean, we went into it thinking this is the last time we're going to see the only quarterback we've ever known. Yeah. And at the end of it, it kind of all hit. Like, this is it. Like, this is the first time in our entire lives that we head into an offseason – with uncertainty and there's another game and we're going to talk about that, but it's like, it feels like the Super Bowl happened. That's a, that's what last night kind of felt like. Yeah. And that was the game where, okay. Um, you know, you're not mathematically unlimited from the playoffs, but it's quite a stretch for you to get in. And you basically need something a little bit short of a miracle going into that game. You need something short of a miracle to get into the playoffs. If you're going to win any game, the, the last two weeks of the season, it, it needs to be this. It really needs to be this. Um, I feel like the game plan on the defensive side of the ball was chef's kiss, uh, which was let TJ Watt wreak havoc on everything that was in his way. And it, it really felt like for a lot of the season, those guys weren't stepping up and making the plays they could or should have. And I feel like for the most part, a lot of the guys stepped up. Like it really looked like those guys – kind of pushed it into an extra year to make sure that Ben walked out of Heinz Field for the last time with a victory underneath his belt. Yeah, when you had guys like Derek Tushka and Marcus Allen making big plays, not like somewhat, like big plays. T.J. Watt having four sacks was, it is what it was. But like John LeGlue recovered a fumble at some point, 15 yards down the field. And I was just like, that's that's because Ben's here. You know, J.C. Hasenauer's having an incredible game. He had three injuries. All of them finished the game. No signs that there were injuries at all. I mean, it, like you said, the, there's so much heart on that field at Heinz Field. And I think that's the most concerning thing moving forward is how to carry that heart after this one. Because, I mean, that was the most emotional game I've ever seen in my whole life. And the crowd at Heinz Field, that was the best crowd I have ever seen at a sporting event. And I've been to some pretty awesome ones. Like I've get, I've been lucky enough to like just randomly pop up at like random sporting events throughout my life. Like <clears throat> I was at the, uh, I was at one, the first ever Syracuse Duke basketball game when Jabari Parker sent it in overtime with That's literally, yeah, yeah. Literally zero That's seconds left name. on the clock. Oh, I could still picture this perfectly. The guy in front of me was like, you gotta grab him. By the something, I'm not gonna say the word out loud. He's yeah. like, yeah, and he just kept saying, he just kept turning around all game long. You gotta grab him by the. I'm like, I, I hear you, bro. I hear you. That was the craziest crowd I've ever been a part of. Last night blew that out of the water. There was not one moment where that crowd wasn't chanting, "Thank you, Ben." Like, and that's not an exaggeration. Like, four hours, not one moment was it was it. How was Renegade? Renegade was awesome. I mean, you, you have to think of the sequence after Renegade. Um, what ha- it was a like negative two yard run by Chubb. Somebody got him in the backfield. I think an Alex Highsmith sack, then a Derek Tushka tackle for loss. No, 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 no. I think it was a Derek Tushka sack, an Alex Highsmith tackle for loss, and then 
two penalties and they were punting from their three yard line. Like it was the first time in my three years that Renegade worked. And it was, it was awesome. They should have did Renegade for Ben. If we're being honest, they should have did it twice. Like Ben should have came out and they should have did Renegade one more time. Did you see that Tomlin tried to call a timeout on the, yeah. uh, <laughs> after the first nail to try to give him like another like curtain call? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, uh, uh, he said afterwards, he was, they were like, they were like, did, Somebody asked him, like, did you try to call that timeout at the end? Tom was like, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Which I thought was awesome. I think that was another cool part of all this is that afterwards it wasn't like – like Ben kind of curved it at the beginning. Like he was like, yo, what are the emotions? And he was like, I, I can't talk about the emotions right now. And I get that. Like he probably – he was starting to break down at one point. But he even said, like, he even mentioned the media, how he loves the media. And mm-hmm. I was like, if you're going to say Most that – that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You are pretty emotional right now. But like TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Najee, even Mike Tomlin, like every single one of them was like, yeah, this was uh, pretty awesome to see how Ben went out. I, I think we all agree on that one. With uh, – go ahead. No, I was going to kind of segue into like after such an emotional win, you know, a, a very emotional four hours at Heinz Field – how do you like shift everything? How, how do you refocus yourselves back to game week? Cause there's still another week to go. Like you had previously mentioned on the road against Baltimore and week 18. Um, obviously you need to win to keep your playoff hopes alive and then have a little bit of extra happen in order for the chips to fall into your favor. Even with Ben retiring with him playing his actual last game, most likely on top of you already knowing that like your destiny is not in your like control completely. How do you get ready for the work week? Like how, how do you approach this game? That's, I think that's the uh, biggest part of this is like I said earlier, this was their Super Bowl. You know, they did this all year long. They, I, it wasn't known, but at some point it needed to be known that this was Ben's farewell. He went out. It was the best way to possibly go out. Now you got to shift focus to Baltimore. I think the the big thing is the Lamar Jackson injury that helps the Steelers because they could go in there and maybe start slower than expected because I definitely expect them to start very slow and still catch up because there's no Lamar. But you're right. Like, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you go into work tomorrow, start practicing and keep the same momentum that you somehow created in the most emotional game of every single one of these players' careers. No, I definitely agree. And let's remember, uh, you know, as much respect that has gone around for Big Ben, uh, you know, the last couple of days that we've seen leading up to that game, there's nothing the Baltimore Ravens would love more than to send that man out, in, at least in their eyes, in the proper way. And that's a very, very good beat down. And he's got the offensive line to let him down like that. I mean, his receivers have certainly over the last couple of games let him down like that. Can we talk about Deontay Johnson and what, what's kind of slipping uh, through his mind a little bit, bro? Slipping through his mind, slipping through his hands. I don't understand what's going on there. Deontay has definitely taken a step back the last couple of weeks. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, luckily, though, uh, Najee has fully carried the load for Steelers offense I don't want to say single-handedly won that game, but just looking at the game plan and looking at what certain Steelers were able to do throughout the night, I feel like now you put that game on his back. And it'll be really interesting to see how the Ravens kind of cope with that because the Browns have a very talented defensive front and the Ravens maybe not so much. 
But like you alluded to, I feel like it all is probably going to come down to whether or not Lamar actually plays. Because if Lamar doesn't play and it's Huntley or Snoopy, you know, whoever it may be there, quarterback, I feel like you're afforded just a little bit more time to get the wheels going. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that this is going to be a game I would fully expect them to come out of the gates like any other away game, very slow, very passive, and then start to build. You need Najee in this one, though. I think that's what is going to come down to. And if Najee can have a game. TJ Watt is one sack away from breaking one. the sack record. TJ Watt, okay, so here we go. I was sitting there, and, you know, I'm just casually chilling. You know, I'm getting all the Ben's final – days articles ready like the yeah 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 yeah. Steelers yeah, yeah. send Ben out with a win blah blah yep. blah the whole nine the good ones and TJ starts going off and I'm just like oh this is awesome TJ Watts going off and then he got the last one which let me tell you to watch that in person okay I watched him from the jump the dude sitting next to me Bo Marciani and me both stared TJ down right from the beginning of the snap watched him break the block and just smoke Baker Mayfield and we both looked at each other and we're like, that was probably the coolest sack we've ever seen in our lives. Yeah. Like, that was so aggressive. It was awesome. Did you ever play NFL Street growing up? Oh, yeah. TJ Watt is a living, breathing street character. Yeah, no, I was about to say, do you remember the, the game breaker thing where oh, like yeah. you would build your bar up at the top yeah. and then your player would become unstoppable? That's yeah, basically yeah. what TJ was the entire night. The entire night, because whenever he wasn't getting after Baker Mayfield, the dude had like, what, two tipped passes last night? Two tipped passes. He had... He had four sacks and two pass deflections. What even is that? How is that even possible? It's not, but he did it. My favorite, though. My absolute, sorry to interrupt you. My absolute favorite thing after everything that man did. And I remember specifically after one of the tipped passes, TJ Wyatt, he like tipped the ball away and he stared right into Baker Mayfield's eyes and he he started running his mouth, started running his mouth to the dude that does not stop running his mouth. And Baker couldn't do anything about it. He could not say nope. a single thing back to TJ Watt because he knew what was coming play after play. And that was just chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. It, TJ chirped a lot in that game. Rightfully He's so. Feeling himself, Rightful, that's yeah. You should be feeling yourself. But I think that was a Heinz Field crowd. Like, there was so much going on. Like, the energy was so crazy. TJ was like, yeah, I can do whatever I want right now. This is – I am literally an alien. Everybody else, normal human being. Whoever the – the right tackle was not even a child, small child to TJ Watt. It was a rookie. Baker came out and said that after the game. I I think his name is like James Hudson or something like that. I'll have to go back and look. But uh, Baker threw some shade at his offense um, because he was asked whether or not he felt like the game plan could have been better. And he was like, well, leaving a rookie tackle on a guy like TJ Watt on that side of the football probably isn't exactly a, a winning formula. Um, so with Baker's contract in the offseason, it'll be really interesting to see if anything happens to Kevin Stefanski, if anything happens to Baker Mayfield, you know, what they plan on doing with both of those guys moving forward. I mean, there's a lot to watch in Cleveland. There is a lot to watch in Cleveland. Baker, um, if I'm picking any of them, Kevin Stefanski or Baker Mayfield, I am certainly, certainly picking Kevin Stefanski. The problem with that, I think, is that the Browns can't get rid of Baker Mayfield. They're kind of stuck with them because you can't get worse than them. You're not going to go out there and be like, we're going to just start this over. Like we have a defense to win a Super Bowl right now. now. Yeah. Yeah, That's this team is built to win right now outside of quarterback. They have a phenomenal roster. You can't move on from Baker Mayfield. They're stuck and it stinks. It's great for the Steelers, but it stinks for the Browns. 
I completely agree. Two players I wanted to bring to your attention, though, and we, we've talked about them multiple times on podcasts. Who I felt like had really good games last night. Akilah Witherspoon, who has com- turned a complete 180 from the player we thought he was going to be after acquiring him from the 49ers. And Marcus Allen. I, I really feel like Marcus Allen had a nice, strong game filling in for Devin Bush. I would not be mad if Marcus Allen stuck to inside middle linebacker and kind of, you know, filled that hole of Devin Bush moving forward. I mean, because I, I really don't think the Steelers are keen on picking up Devin Bush's uh, fifth-year option. And I, I, Allen played so well last night. I don't know if it's just, like, me over-salivating at a one-game sample size. But, I mean, he's he's got everything. Like, he's got everything you wanted Devin Bush to be. Obviously, they're not the same caliber of player. But whenever I talk about Terrell Edmonds and moving him to middle linebacker, it's just because he's not exactly cut out to play that safety role. That's exactly what I envisioned Charlotte's playing like is Marcus Allen and what we saw last night against Cleveland. Yeah, Marcus Allen definitely had a great game. Marcus Allen definitely worries me in coverage, especially for a guy that came into the NFL as a safety. Doesn't seem to have those instincts to stay with anybody in coverage. But anybody, I mean, even outside of Devin Bush, he definitely played better than Joe Schaubert, million times better than Joe Schaubert. And Robert Spillane made a great play on the opening play of the game. Totally, totally disappeared the rest of the game. There's nothing else going on. At that point, it was just like, oh, Robert Splane, that's probably the guy we're going to throw to. And time and time again, they did, and he was open. Because that's, I mean, he's a liability. If you could put Robert Splane just in situations where you you know they're going to run the ball, like they tell you, like if this was Madden and it was first down and you were like, all right, there are, Robert Splane is doing nothing but running right up the middle. We'll figure it out from there. Robert Splane's a good football player. When you have to guess what an offense is going to do, Robert Splane is a horrific football player. Um, Marcus Allen, I did like Marcus Allen. Akella Witherspoon, stud. Absolute stud. I think last night he earned a contract. I think last night – Do you think he comes back? I do. I think last night was his – I mean, it was it was his tape. This was his opportunity the last couple of games to put on tape that he deserves to come back and be part of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think last night just like solidified it. It was like, okay, he didn't start. He had to come in here off the bench, which is a lot tougher to do for a guy like him who was openly said, you know, I get a lot of my swagger when I start and I could just be that guy the entire game. Come Came off the bench, made a couple of big plays. I mean, he played man coverage better than anybody on defense last night. I definitely think you bring him back. I think you have to. Yeah, that also played really interesting because another – um, send off a lot of people weren't necessarily talking about was Joe Hayden. Uh, uh, Joe Hayden indicated pretty much everywhere on his social media that that was also his last game at Heinz Field. And I mean, you've sure. gone back and forth on the podcast before about whether or not um, he'll get the contract he essentially wants and what those figures will actually look like. And I think that remains to be seen, but it really feels like his tenure as a Pittsburgh Steeler might be over. And so, I mean, are you willing to bring back a guy like Witherspoon? To, to take over the that starting role opposite of a guy like Cam Sutton, knowing that, you know, you don't have Joe Hayden in your back pocket? I don't know. I don't know if I want to say that he's the starter. You know, I do like him being an option, though, you know, because I don't think he's going to go anywhere else and get starter money. I don't think he's going to go hit the open market and somebody's going to be like, that's our quarterback one. But to have him as an option just as like – because you need three. You need three cornerbacks. Yeah. 
him, Cam Sutton, and then whoever they add in the offseason, I do like that combination, even if he doesn't turn out to be the starter. Or if he does turn out to be the starter and he's the guy where a rookie comes in behind him or, you know, James Pierre develops a little bit or however they make this work. But you've seen the turnaround. I mean, the first couple of weeks of the season, it was James Pierre, James Pierre, James Pierre. And all we kept talking about is how James Pierre is making mistakes. Yeah, he's a second-year undrafted guy, but he's making mistakes. We have not talked about Akello Witherspoon's mistakes. We've just talked about how good this guy is on the field. I think that's worthy of something. But like Jose told us months ago, it comes and goes. So it could be something that is here now and then start next season. Could be a giant waste of money. We don't know. Yeah, that's the thing, too. And I think going back to your point, I would feel comfortable with him being a option on the roster. But, I mean, I'm still not like – really convinced and sold that like he could be a number one guy moving forward because how many times especially in pittsburgh how many times have we seen a guy play very solid for a handful of games and we start talking ourselves into him sorry you know acting like he's a bona fide number one corner and then he just kind of flails i mean i can go on and on about the guys that have done that over the last couple years so I, i i wouldn't be mad if they stuck with him for a like team-friendly deal i mean obviously team-friendly is kind of um negotiable depending on who you ask stuck with him and then like went and drafted a guy super high in the upcoming draft i wouldn't be upset at that uh but just as long as he is a option and not the only option i feel like the steelers would probably be in in a better place right now yeah i i I agree with that i think he's got to be an option not the option i don't think anybody in any position outside of tj watt alex highsmith and cam hayward is and the safeties are the are are the option you know i would love to see terrell edmonds come back i i think that he's a guy him and minka i think right now him and minka play very well together i think him and minka in two years could be a troy paul malu ryan clark type dynamic where they just understand each other as long as keith butler plays terrell edmonds smartly and puts him in the best positions to succeed which is not dropping him in pass coverage not sticking him one-on-one on a receiver, letting him kind of roam around the box and make plays in, in, in the run game. Uh, very similar to your comments on Robert Spillane. When you know it's a run, Terrell Edmonds is, for the most part, pretty dynamite and bringing people down. It's whenever you get into those really obvious passing scenarios where Terrell Edmonds is either like deep safety or he's lined up on somebody in his own coverage, that's where you really start to run into problems with him. So I, I wouldn't mind if they stuck with uh, you know, that tandem of Edmonds and Mika, so long as Butler is very smart about where Terrell Edmonds is at pretty much all times. Yeah, there are definitely moments. I think this has been Terrell Edmonds' best coverage season, and I think he's played pretty well, but especially the last couple of games. I mean, last night, Austin Hooper went up for a ball. Terrell Edmonds rolled underneath him, and I just – what is going on here? What is – Are you talking about in the, the back corner of the end zone? No. Talking about because that was that was Joe Hayden and no, that was was Joe Hayden and David Njoku. Yeah, because I was about to say like it didn't look like Hayden fell. It looked like he like went to go turn, and I'm like, what are you doing, my guy? I just think that Hayden doesn't have any speed left in him. Like there was also that play where um, that ball went to Jarvis Landry, and Jarvis Landry basically like turned his head around to the right and had his hands on the ball, and it's just like slipped through his hands. And I'm like, okay, that that would have been touchdown number two on Hayden where Hayden basically wasn't really even there. Yeah, yeah, there's been times, and maybe it's the foot injury. Maybe it's the fact that he's 32 years old. Joe Hayden's played a great career, okay? Oh, yeah. 
32 years old, it's hard to say uh, he doesn't have it anymore. Like, yeah, no, he's 32 years old. He plays cornerback. That's a pretty big position to not have it anymore at the age of 32. Most guys don't have it anymore at that age. Yeah. But you're right. He is. He looks like he's the slowest guy on the field every single week. Edmonds, though, I'm, I want to say it was it was near the 50. It was the right side of the field. Hooper went up to catch the ball. It was like third and long. Went up to catch the ball. Edmonds literally dove and rolled underneath him. And I was like, what are we doing here? What was it was that was the second question, most questionable play of the game. The first, and I still have not gone back and looked at this. Maybe they were just rushing an extra guy. Didn't make any sense to me if they did. But I'm pretty sure Ray Ray McLeod forgot to go out for a punt return. And the Browns kicked it into the end zone, thankfully. But there was no punt returner. And it was the 50-yard line. There was It was not a situation where if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're rushing an extra guy. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, this uh, coaching staff uh, mixed with the roster somehow week after week definitely keeps us on our feet. And looks like just one last week of that for 2021 and the 2022 season. So, Do you, uh, do you expect – do you expect any coaching changes next year? I I don't think you can. I mean, the, 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 we've grown so accustomed to the Steelers being very set in their ways. Uh, expecting is one thing. Hoping is another. Uh, I don't think Matt Canada is the guy. I, I really don't. It, it, it's only his first year, and, and I know, like, he doesn't have the quarterback he wants in a system. But it's just based off of, like, what he's been able to do or lack thereof with the pieces of the puzzle he has right now. No. Nah. No, nah, that I, I was so infuriated watching that game last night because it was the same thing over and over again. Run Najee into a brick wall for a second down, third down, throw six yards short of the sticks, and then hope a guy like Ray Ray or Deontay Johnson can make something happen after the catch. Yeah. Do you think it was do you think it was Canada? Do you think it was more Canada than Ben last night? I, I'm not trying to elude that answer anywhere. I'm actually gen- genuinely curious. From my understanding, Ben likes to push the ball deep a little bit, you know, yeah. and you know, that, that's not exactly a staple of Matt Canada's offense, at least as far as I can remember. Um, but it, whether it's Ben, whether it's Canada, something's got to change in the offseason. Something's got to change. And, and there's a lot of question marks at the quarterback position. And I'm sure we'll spend a plethora of time talking about who's going to be the guy and who should be the guy for the Steelers moving forward. But just in terms of coaching, yeah, I feel like Keith Butler had his job saved the moment they got Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, and I, I think as long as TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward, and guys like Minka are still on the defense, will still have a job. But the off the coordinator position, I, I, I don't think Cannon's going anywhere, unfortunately. I hope I'm wrong, but just me. Butler is on the last year of his contract, which could be could be big. He's old enough to like maybe, you know, mutually retire retire yeah but i feel like with the defense and its current state right now and we've brought this up over and over again if you feel like this defense can win a super bowl why depart from the defensive coordinator you know like wouldn't you want to keep like everybody together you know at least as much as you can but the steelers okay so i i do agree with that one but the steelers have kind of set this up to where maybe they could move on because it's going to be terrell austin who's the next defensive coordinator of the steelers yeah. They have Greedy greedy Williams, I believe his name is. Now, Greedy Williams is a corner in Cleveland. Yep. Uh, greedy something. Whoever their secondary coach is, who has come in to be like the new Terrell Austin, 
kind of sets up perfectly for Terrell Austin to just make his way in there without too much layover, too much change on the defense. I don't know, though. I, I, I agree with you there. I think that when it comes to Butler, and on top of that, Mike Tomlin has a very good chemistry and relationship with Keith Keith Butler and the way they design defenses. So I think that's difficult to overcome. I don't know, though. I don't know. I think that there could be a lot of change. I, you're going to change the quarterback position this offseason. I think at we'll that see. point, that's, that's what I'm what saying. I'm saying. I, if, if, yeah. if there's any offseason you're going to change stuff, might as well be this one. That's what I'm saying. And it's the first time in 20 years where this team has more uncertainty than we have ever seen. So if you're going to make changes, if you're going to maybe take a step back or take a risk at any position and or coaching position, this is, this is the time to do it before. Uh, uh, Brady, before we, Brady Brown is Brady Brown secondary that's, coach. Yep. I, that's my apologies on that one. I have talked to him a couple of times. He's a great guy, but it just, when you interview a, co- a coordinator twice a year, you, you forget me. Yeah. Uh, before we head out here, I do want to ask one question. Do you think TJ Watt wins defensive player of the year? I don't yeah. even care about the coaching thing. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah, you're very certain. Yeah. I think a lot of people are arguing, oh, but the Steelers aren't going to make the playoffs, which doesn't make any sense to me. TJ Watt is one sack away from breaking the single season sack record, and he's missed, what, three or four games this year? Yeah, he's I played mean, last the, night. Was his last night, what you game. saw on Monday Night Football – was the bow on his defensive player of the year campaign. Hey, he's been you can argue that 2019 maybe wasn't his year. 2020, I you got the whole like Aaron Donald thing to where Aaron Donald put up like similar numbers. Feel like he probably got some from that. This is the year. This yeah. is the year. Like I, I I'm really about to put a decent chunk of change on TJ Watt <laughs> to win defensive player of the year. I, I really am. I was uh, – yeah, I've told you this story plenty of times, but I'll let everybody else know too. I was pretty um, – I had a couple of brews, okay? Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my girlfriend and the bartender. This was like a couple days before the season started. And TJ Watt pops up on the television above us. And I just start talking. And I'm like, you want to know who's going to win Defensive Player of the Year this year? That guy right there, TJ Watt. And they're all just like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I just start talking and I start talking. And about four minutes later – I'm like, you know what? You know how confident I am in this right now? Watch this. And I logged on to my account and I went, oh, I have 60 bucks left. Boom. And I put it all on TJ Watt. And every week I sit there and I stare at the cash out and I'm thinking, this is the time. I think this is a good time. You never know. You know, Aaron Donald's having a great year. Trayvon Diggs, 11 interceptions. It's hard. It's hard to say TJ is going to get it over these guys. And then I'm like, no, no, let's hold it off. Even when he got hurt, I'm just like, no, no, let's wait this one out. Last night, I nearly did it. I was like, uh, I might, I might cash this one off. This is, this might be the one. It's a good cash out right now. I would tell you right now, it would have ruined the whole night. I would have sat here. I would have been much more miserable than I am right now. I think it is impossible, impossible for them to not give him defensive player of the year. Aaron Donald would be the only other guy that I see. Trayvon Diggs, you could say what you want, but. He doesn't make as big of an impact on that team as TJ Watt does. And the whole playoff thing is so dumb. That doesn't make any sense. He's a defensive player. If this is offensive player of the year, I can understand that because if you're Ben Roethlisberger, you are judged on whether or not you win a Super Bowl. If you're TJ Watt, I mean, JJ's won it twice on terrible Houston teams. Aaron Donald won it last year and the Rams didn't make it to the playoffs. That just doesn't seem to be a metric that should count. No, I absolutely agree. Uh, guys who could win it over him, Micah Parsons. I love Micah, Penn State dude. 
yeah. phenomenal player. Like he, he's a freak. He's going to be very good for a very long time. Not winning it this year. No, defense you can't give defensive. Yeah, you can't give defensive of the year. All his, all yours, bro. You, you more than deserve it. Trayvon Diggs, very good player. I just really can't see them giving it to another corner again after Stefan Gilmore won it. And like everybody was up in arms about that. Miles get did Miles get even play last night? <laughs> is Miles is he alive right now? I did not. Know I saw that I saw a stat last night. That was I was gonna bring that up with the Baker thing, and I totally forgot actually. Baker Mayfield's out here talking about how his rookie right tackle had to play TJ Watt all night. Miles Garrett did not a thing. He had five pressures. I don't even know what that means against the Pittsburgh Steelers because as soon as he snapped the ball, there's four people in the backfield. That it's just natural life for Ben Roethlisberger in 2021. Miles did more said Miles Garrett. I don't even know who that is. Shut him down for the second time this season. Phenomenal. He, I, I think it was pro football focus gave him a zero against Miles Garrett one-on-one the last time they went against each other. And I thought that was the worst grade I've ever seen. Like that didn't make any sense. Miles Garrett did nothing last night. If he gets another zero, that's just pure PFF being PFF, obviously. But Look, at, at the end of the day, you're a TJ Watt defensive player of the year. Ticket's going to cash out. I hope. And when I pull out every penny in my banking account and put it on <laughs> TJ Watt defensive player of the year, that's going to cash out. I the hope. Over under of eight and a half wins for the Steelers is still alive. Still Let's alive. That cashes out. I think that will cash out. I think it's very hard yeah. for. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be very hard for. There's still playoff implications. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of emotion that was in Heinz Field, but TJ Watt is not going to miss a beat this week. Cam Hayward's not going to miss a beat this week. Ben Roethlisberger's not going to miss a beat this week. You know, this team is not going to ride that emotion. There are going to be guys. Marcus Allen is not going to have the game that he had last night. Akello Witherspoon probably isn't going to have the game that he had last night. You know, Monty Adams, Derek Tushka, those guys are not going to be as good as they played at Heinz Field because it was so easy to play well at Heinz Field last night. That's just how much energy was in the building. TJ, the playmakers will still carry a good amount of energy to Baltimore. They'll understand, you know, you're not going to tell Derek, you're not going to tell TJ Watt, oh, the playoffs are on the line. You have to win this one. You know, make sure you keep that energy up. You're not going to say that because TJ Watt's already in the, he was in the weight room yesterday night after, I want to say this morning because the game ended at 1 a.m. It was TJ Watt immediately was just like, he went home, he hugged his wife and he was just like, all right, I got to watch film. This is a short week. This is just how we're doing this. I'm not sleeping for three days. We got to make the playoffs. You know, go Duval, but we'll see what happens. But I have a lot of faith in the Steelers going into Baltimore and pulling out that win. We'll, we'll talk about it more. We'll have more clarity on Thursday on, on what to expect in the whole Lamar Jackson thing. But I'm really excited to see uh, Derek Decay to break this matchup down too. Oh, Derek is uh, – I'm excited to see what Derek has to say about yeah. Tyler Snoop Huntley. I think uh, that would be going. Derek made the trip. Shout out to Derek. Like, dude's, dude's a freak sometimes, man. Drove six hours by himself, took a nap, texted me, and said, I said, yo, did you make it? What's your, like, itinerary? He's like, oh, I'm going to watch the game, then I'm going to go take a nap, and then I'm going to drive back. I'm like, a nap at 1 a.m. is sleep, Derek. I was on a Twitter spaces at 2.30 in the morning, and he Smitty. was on there. And, yeah, with Smitty. And yeah. it was Derek was on there. And I was just like, you had a nap, bro. Take your nap. This is not healthy. But – We'll see. Friday, I'm excited for Friday with Derek the Kid. Um, just to finish off here, TJ Watt, Defensive Player of the Year, zero chances they don't give it to him. But 
I think he's got to break the sack record. One and a half. He needs one and a half to break it, one to tie it. Thought he was going to do it last night, but we'll see. Thank you, everybody, for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. We're getting real close to that 1,000 mark, and we would really, we would really like to uh, hit that 1,000 mark. We got some giveaways coming yeah. very soon, maybe before the 1,000 mark, maybe after the 1,000 mark. I think that there's more giveaways once we hit that 1,000 mark, so – we should be uh we should be pushing for that. Check us out youtube.com slash all Steelers talk. Check out your favorite podcast hosts on Twitter at Noah Strack at Donnie Droon. And we'll see you Thursday.